ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. What does it take to dive into the unknown of ourselves? Who can help us get there? How scary is it to face our own edge? And what are the magic tools that we can use today to explore ourselves on this journey of healing just a little bit more? This is your host, Tanya Gilbert. This episode is about creating gems of wisdom from the pain and grief in life. Nicole Love believes we are all alchemists and have the ability to transmute whatever we need to heal. She is an RN, intuitive healer, psychic reader, and teacher. She stays connected with source and in the sacred feminine energy of love. Her story is remarkable as well as her practice. Enjoy. Nicole Love, it is so amazing to have you here as a fellow RN and someone who specially transcended her knowledge of Western medicine into more of intuitive healing. I am so excited personally to have you here and to hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Well, first of all, thank you so much for finding me and it is truly an honor to be here with you and I already love you so much. <laughs> Feel so raw and open with you. Okay, so for me, how I describe myself on a professional level is intuitive healer and intuitive energy healing teacher. That's what I love to do is work with people one-on-one to help them release whatever blocks there are, but really just come into who they are, their divinity, bringing that more and more and more in, their love and love of life. And then teaching people on that individual level in sessions, but classes and groups. I love holding group classes because everybody ends up sharing and teaching each other. We all have so much wisdom to share and learn from one another and so that's another big passion of mine. What got you into thinking that you wanted to go to nursing school and then what moved you out? I had already studied human development and thought I would be going down the teaching route and then I realized that I want to be a mother and I don't want to be around kids all day and then kids at home because I think I'd be burned out by the time I was with my own children. And so I'm like, okay, I want to do something and I'd already started my spiritual path because I had gone through a depression and the first time around in college and then tried to figure out what the heck this life is all about. And that's when I started learning meditation and healing. After I went to the school called the Berkeley Psychic Institute, I was going to go travel, but then I stayed with my sister for a little bit beforehand. And she had my niece, Emily Nicole, and I was there at her birth. And at her birth, I saw like her energy come through into the room. You know, I just felt spirit. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, okay, so this is maybe something I could do in life. Like I could be a midwife. And so it took me a long time to figure out how I was going to do that, be a lay midwife or be a nurse midwife. And I decided nurse midwifery so I could have some sort of schedule. <laughs> And so I studied actually both ways, the more natural lay midwifery and then going through nursing school. And the whole time I'm in nursing school, it's like torture for me. You know, it's like, I am not going to be doing this. I'm not going to be doing this. Don't worry. I'm not going to be doing this. Like the med surge rounds and, and everything else. But at the same time, I was like, I'm going to make change in here. And I'm going to decrease the amount of cesareans, all of this type of thing. Okay, and so 2006, I graduate nursing school, I pass my boards, and a month and a half later, I have my son. And it was oh, so incredibly difficult. I tried for a home birth, was laboring for three hours, my uterus pooped out, and meconium started coming out, which means the baby's in distress. And so we transferred to the hospital. At the hospital, I live in a rural area, so it took a long time for anything to really happen. But I finally got an IV put in for Pitocin, which makes the contraction contractions harder. 
are stronger. And so I could finally feel how to push again. And so he came out, but what happened was he got stuck and it was just a really big <laughs> pulling him out of me, um, a hand in my yoni with him and then other things too. So anyways, I tore really, really badly and it took me a year to heal basically from birthing my son. And like I was telling you earlier, thank goodness, he was super strong and healthy and like nursed like a champ right away. And so we get gifts, <laughs> gifts with birth and then also huge challenges. And that's part of becoming a mother and birthing, rebirthing yourself. That's a, the initiation with that. I just wanted to share that I've always believed as a mother myself and also really, um, you know, the book Spiritual Midwifery, getting my hands on that was one of the most awakening books that I had in my early life. I had a son when I was just turned 19. I've always believed that through experience, deep, deep intuitive experience, that our soul is never more open and more vulnerable besides when our cervix is completely open like that. Yes. So I had a lot of post-traumatic depression after difficult births for, with my first two sons. And I really feel like it is because we were so open then that I, there's two times in our life that I feel like we, it's absolutely mandatory that we have sacred space and that's in yes. birth and in death. Yes. So did you also feel like you went through an emotional movement after that, that tr traumatic experience? Oh, definitely. But I do want to add to that, that when I was laboring, I was in the shower and I felt my crown chakra dilating as my cervix was dilating. And then, so I saw how it was just this massive vessel of light for my son's soul to come through. And so that is so true what you're talking about sacred space. I really wish that, I mean, our Western system had the belief system of holding sacred space. That's just what it's lacking and why I can't be a part of it and why you probably can't be a part of it anymore. With the tearing that I went through, it also opened up trauma that I hadn't remembered because it was when I was a baby. That was, I was in massive postpartum depression as well. You know, just brain fog all the time. And you go into a lot of fear and anxiety. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I knew <laughs> I was kind of lonely and depressed, but I didn't know I was in postpartum depression. Later, after my daughter was born and a little bit older, and I started going through this process of really finding myself, I took this class called Innate Postpartum Care by this really gorgeous woman, Rochelle Saleglia Garcia. And she goes into so much about healing and transforming, basically just holding sacred space for, for the earth, us women connected to the earth, our wombs, our wombs being one with the earth. And you can find her on Instagram or wherever and innate postpartum care. But anyways, being one and connected with the earth and, and that is truly how we heal. And that's how we can start healing the earth is by then being connected with ourselves and then realize that we're all connected. And for us to transcend, it's about connection. And so for us to bring in our divinity, our love into ourselves, feel the divinity and love in the earth, that's been my biggest healer. And that's honestly what I, what I teach. Tell us a little bit about the classes that you teach now. What do you call them? And Okay, so the whole program, it's called the Energy Healing Program. And the first class series is called Deeper Self-Love. It's basically all these tools of how to bring love in and into ourselves too. And that's where we were talking earlier about you and I, before we started the podcast about all of your nursing background and how you're going to bring it all forward with your intuitive abilities and all of that, because you know what's going on biologically, physiologically in the body, which is all energy, bringing in our divinity and our love into ourselves, into our organs, into all parts of ourselves so that we can embody deeper love and source energy so that we can see our bodies as sacred temples 
deeper self-love, connecting into the love of always, like the earth is there to support us and love us all the time, all the time. She's the most benevolent being and teaches us, especially as mothers, like what we're talking about, to care for ourselves and then to care for everything. What you said about how Western medicine is lacking sacred space, that was the one thing I really needed to hear because I really recognized in my own process of deconstructing the Western medicine nurse of 15 years that my number one value is sacred space. What I enjoyed offering to patients was as much sacred space as I could provide. It wasn't enough. And um, I think you're so right on. I'm just so happy that I found you. And I just, I just had a moment last week when I really was called to look more for intuitive healing. And it was just amazing to just come up with you and to connect with you. So I totally feel like it was divine interventions. I feel it too. And I feel a sisterhood. I guess all nurses feel that anyway, but thank you. Especially, I think, when the nurses are the ones that start to leave it behind to go deeper. That's like, it's just such a special, a special calling. Yeah. And like you were saying, with birth and death, those are the two places. I mean, we all, sacred space all the time, please. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love it. And in birth and death, of course, you know. And that's where, oh, it's so lacking. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it is and how you provide it and what you've seen in women? Um, And do you work exclusively with women? I don't. I I created this program with women and minds, but now men have started coming on board. And so I'm changing my meditations to include the male anatomy as well. Wow, amazing. So yeah, will you tell us a little bit about I know before you started this podcast, you did a a claiming of the sacred space and it was the most beautiful thing that I've heard. I can't wait till you send it to me and I get to say it myself. But could you tell us a little bit about what sacred space means to you and how you create it? Okay. Well, I guess what I was saying before, as far as connection, bringing in that connection, that awareness that we are connected to everything and acknowledging Again, the love to me, like God, source energy is that love, wisdom, bliss energy, and it's in everything. And so calling in everything that I've been taught about, and that's mostly through women's circles. And so creating sacred space from the directions and the elements. And then for me, like what guides come through in those areas? And and so asking for them to come in. And then all the guidance that we have all the time around us, tapping into them and connecting with them, their love, and then our divine selves. That's, That's one thing I think that we forget a lot is that our divine selves we are our own guides as well. I end that sacred space with remembering that we're all one. And so remembering that yeah, all of these pieces of everything, we're all in the sacred love web together. And really there's no way of getting out of it. And I, and I wouldn't want to. My daily practice is honestly a reminding that, oh yeah, I'm in love right now. <laughs> I get spun out, you know, thinking about this or that. And, oh, geez. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. What does love look like in this situation? Okay, yeah, bring it back and there it is. And so to me, that's sacred space all the time. Connecting and love. Remembering that I'm a part of everything and everyone in this loving place. And so I can create sacred space like we did before the podcast. It helps me feel... I guess safe, really, and contained a little more grounded all the time. Like I said, sacred space all the time, please. Um, Remembering that love and bringing that love in. I almost want that as a bumper sticker or a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to know a little bit more about your story and getting to know your intuition. My story starts when I was little. When I was about four years old, I would always go and climb in bed next to my mom pretty much every night. And one night there was an angel sitting on my dad's feet. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And I wasn't scared, but felt strange. And I just was walking around to my mom. Usually she would wake up right when I 
walked in the room, but I got to her and she just wouldn't wake up, you know, kind of shook her a little bit and she wouldn't wake up. And then I just was looking at this angel also, and we just were making eye talk contact and then I just left the room. And then I went in my sister's room and she wouldn't wake up either. So I just climbed in bed with her and I thought about this and thought about this for a couple of weeks. I didn't share it because I knew it was strange and I didn't know what anyone was going to say. But I also have a twin brother and, but this angel was a little girl that looked exactly like me. Only she looked to me like healthier. She just, you know, had a vibrancy to her that I felt like I didn't have. And so I'm like, oh, so she's really my twin, you know, <laughs> and, then, and I don't know, I guess I'm just here with my brother. I honestly, I felt like I was born to keep my brother alive and, and that I was always his healer. And so I was always born thinking that I was supposed to be taking care of someone. And, and that's like being a nurse and, you know, being like just a healer. That's, I really was, I just knew I was a healer. But part of it was a programming of like, that was my value. And so like, this is me relearning like my value in life. It's like, I don't have to only be of service to others. And that's where the deeper self-love comes into is that loving myself and like really valuing who I am. And that's the love all the time, sacred space for me is as what brings me, I guess, more into myself as uh, like the healer that I want to be. And, and that's the, the person that can hold space for myself so that I can hold space for others. Otherwise, it becomes a martyr type situation. And, and I don't want to be the martyr. I just, I want to hold the light, be the light and, and show others how to do the same for themselves. And so we basically turn on each other's lights. So I just can't believe you said that because I'm um, totally going through the understanding of what my own chronic caregiver syndrome is and, and where it came from, from a child and what it looks like and recognizing, you know, it's really easy to say and on the spiritual path, a lot of cliches about life and about awakening and about taking care of ourselves. But when we really start to learn it, you know, you, you, no one can give that to you when you learn your own lessons. I couldn't, I gave myself away to death. You know, I would say that I spread myself like butter on toast everywhere constantly. That's all I did. Um, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't cope. So eventually it's like, you can't just stop. You do need to see, really see land in how beautiful your higher self is, how, how incredible your own energy is before you start to value it, because it's not just something you can say and do. So I just connect with what you said so much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that sisterhood. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to explain. I mean, my whole life I've, and I'm still learning it. And in fact, I took in another kid just recently and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I did it again. And with all the work I've been doing on not taking care of everyone around me, I just could not believe it happened again. And I lost all my inner peace in this, you know, I tend to take in, you know, kids that need help with recovery. All my inner peace just got swallowed away because I connect too deeply with that. I reached out to a medium who was on my podcast. I was like, I just so mad at myself. Like, why do I keep on doing this? And um, he said, you know, I really feel that this is the last time. And it's more about like what I just said, really understanding and recognizing how valuable I act, my inner peace is that took my whole life. Yeah. I think that's just huge. It is so huge. Okay. So fast forward. (laughs) I mean, and did you ever tell anybody about the angel? I I did. I did. So I ended up telling my mom about the angel and she's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, when I was around your age, I saw angels too at the end of my bed, you know? And she's like, and your sister also saw an angel flying around her room one night and it flew into the room where you and your brother were sleeping. And so this was like, ding, 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 ding. Yes. Spirit is real. 
I got so validated in the truth of what I saw. And so from that point on, I knew there was something else, but I still had this like feeling like, I just can't find it. I can't find the reason of why we're even here. You know, like I was this little kid laying in bed being like, I don't understand life. You know, why, what's this whole thing all about? And so that's kind of been finding little pieces along the way, but also really wanting to, you know, I guess fit in as a, as a person, as a human. And so still doing the normal things that you're supposed to do. And so once I, graduated from college, I was like, okay, now it's time for me to do me. And, and that's when I, I went on some more journeys, learned Reiki, became a Reiki master and went to Brazil and studied with an ayahuasca community and came back and wanted to do my healing work. But it's really hard to just make a living doing, you know, just Reiki or whatever. And so that's when I was like, okay, I can do midwifery. I got to figure out that out. And so being in that nursing program, like I got to find the magic in here somehow. So I started like teaching my fellow nursing students how to meditate and do that type of thing. I'm like, okay, maybe that's what I can do as a nurse too, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Um, but what I honestly found is that a lot of nurses are martyrs or that they don't connect with that energy world as much and that that totally might change because a lot a lot is shifting and changing and more and more people are connecting with I guess chakras and different ways of thinking and how energy works in the world really interesting the way that you speak of it because I feel it too because there's two things um when I was young I remember taking care of my sister and um I felt this when I was taking care of someone else, I felt this almost spirit of compassion take over me. Like I wasn't there anymore. And it felt, it was one of the best feelings I've ever had because I had a rough childhood as most of us had that I would move with that spirit of compassion, you know, in the ICU when I started in the ICU and it felt, it was a great feeling, but I, in that spirit of compassion, I really did leave myself behind. And so, you know, I got in the habit of drinking wine every night and, it's taken me 15 years to give it up and to understand why, why I did. So I see a lot of um, both things. I, I do agree that there is that martyr and we're, we're sometimes drawn to it for a reason. And then understanding that we're worthy of giving that compassion to ourselves is this whole other thing. And it's really interesting because the path that you and I are talking about, it's amazing that we've had such similar paths. I don't see it in, in, everybody. I don't see this, um, this struggle that you and I have had in everyone. Can, do you understand why maybe that is? Well, I think both you and I are extremely sensitive beings. And that's honestly why I couldn't be in that Western model, because it doesn't hold sensitivity, it holds more robotic type energy. And so like, I would be making meta errors. I'm listening to spirit, you know what I mean? And, and instead of making this robot out of myself, and that's why I couldn't, I couldn't do it at all. I am not a good nurse. I can do natural ways of processing with the body. If I'm going to go back into nursing, it would be hospice care for me because that is the most natural way and connected to spirit. I would love for birthing to be natural, but it's not. It's They've taken the natural process of birth away. And, and I also don't want to put any judgment on anything because that's one thing that I learned from my process is like, uh-uh, I'm not judging anything because however things work for people is how it needs to work. You know, I'm cool with however things go for anyone else. If they're, it's their highest good, I don't know the answers to everything at all. I just know it's good for me. Yeah, it's funny because I, of course, completely agree with you. And I also know that if I were to go back, it would also be hospice because that because of providing sacred space in the end. That's, that's so funny that you say that exactly true. I'd like to know a little bit about how your flow works with your lifestyle now. So I've been making a lot of money in, as a California nurse for a lot of years, and I've, I've let it go. 
and I don't need, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I'm, it's just amazing that everything's working out so well. Um, but I'd like to know, like, how were you able to survive without having that nursing income? I've interviewed a lot of nurses and nurses who've left. We get really addicted to that $100,000 a year, that high dollar. How is it that you're able to move with flow in your life? And also, could you tell us a little bit about your growth in relationships, personal relationships? As far as the financial piece goes, is that my business, it fluctuates. Um, so sometimes it's flowing and sometimes it's not. And I think that could be where I'm at. Like maybe I need more time or maybe I'm blocked in some way or whatever. So my like entrepreneurial business totally reflects me as what I'm finding. So yeah, me staying in alignment and in my flow that and then also trusting spirit because I am completely provided for and also I am a grounded person so I know I need to have money saved away for the times when it's not flowing or whatever it is so that's all of that and then as far as personal relationships go as far as romance goes I'll go there (laughs) because that's where I think my value I where I just gave myself away gave myself a way to love because I'm like, oh, love, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. I'll do anything for it. And except for take care of myself in it. And so that's been, I think I just had my last, oh my God, I can't believe I did that again. Experience. Like you just said, (laughs) (laughs) at least I hope so. Because I I am rewiring myself and I did think I did rewire myself and it was a much better step, but I still, oh, I fell into a big, probably my biggest heartbreak I've had, but my biggest love, but it was still a loss of me, you know? And I, and so that's the thing is like staying with my love, staying with that and the value, like you were saying of your own love. It's number one. It really is. And the value of your own love is being connected into source, your divinity. That is the number one love. I know our society and everything else makes it seem like romantic love is number one. Um, But romantic love is just another human going through their own stuff and their own lessons. And we are here to amplify the love together. It gets mucky and, and muddy in there. The source love energy as always pure clean to where we can get tapped into all the time. And so staying with that, as far as relationships goes, then that echoes into with my children and they're teenagers now. <laughs> yeah. <isn't that> fun? <laughs> it gives me freedom, but it's also like, Oh my God, they don't love me anymore. You know, there's, there's that part of me. And I know it's not true. It's just, I'm such a nurturer and they don't want that anymore. So it's me learning how to be different with them, holding space in a loving way for them, but that's not as mothering. I don't know what it is. Um, Yeah. You know, I just saw this post that I shared and it was talking about how when we hold our children in our belly and then we give birth to them, their cells and blood mix mixes with ours. And sometimes they found that even if there's um, cardiac damage to the mother, that the cells of the child will come and try to repair Mm -hmm. and they'll find those cells in the, the body of the mother, you know, 20 years later. So it's an innate, deeper thing. I mean, there's nothing in the world like um, the connection, especially to those of us who are sensitive, like being a mother. So it is almost impossible to set down. You know, we just have to keep on riding the ride. And, and maybe that's part of the process is just like turning, turning more towards in, turning more towards in. Yes. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you went to Brazil and you were doing um, the ayahuasca, you know, ceremonies and training. Is that what you did during that time was just turning more towards in and that discovery or what? Honestly, that was okay. So I think I was 27 at the time. I'm now almost 47. Maybe I was even a little younger, but it was uh, definitely going in, but also crumbling of so much, you know, just I felt torn apart, uh, like pieces flown everywhere from that experience. Wow. So it was like, it was just kind of messy. 
It was very messy. Yeah. You know, so beautiful at the same time. It's a really loving medicine. It definitely connects you into the earth and your reverence for the earth. I found it to be difficult on my physical body. And so I stopped, but I do have so much respect for it and love for it. After when I came back, I did work with it a little bit stateside, but like I said, I found it a little difficult on my body. So I stopped and then I met Amachi and she's, they call her the loving, like the hugging saint. Oh yes. I've heard of her. Oh, uh, She's so beautiful. And, and so she helped me kind of put the pieces back together. She just holds such unconditional love and she holds you and she speaks into you and she smells so good. And um, she's just so beautiful. So I, I haven't seen her in a long, long time, but she definitely helped me like the softness envelop me, help me bring myself back together again. Wow. That's so incredible. Yeah. There's been lots of journeys for sure. You know, I've never done ayahuasca, you know, and I hear about this mother spirit, this female mother spirit. Did you feel that? Oh yeah. Um, so I was with the Santo Daimi community and they, and just ayahuasca as a sacrament, a form of Jesus. So it's kind of like the native and Christian combined together. A man, it kind of came to him and he created this religion. Um, also, so it was a little bit more Jesus energy. It was definitely Jesus energy. Yeah. Just like the Christ light, white. I mean, to me, it, it was not that. It felt more green. <laughs> because of the plant medicine, I think. But it was also beautiful because it was the balance of the masculine and feminine. The women would go out and pick the leaves and the man would collect the vine and process the vine. The women would process the leaves and then it would come together in what they call a fachia and then making the holy sacrament, everyone singing the whole time. It's so beautiful. And in the ceremonies, they have the star of David at the center, which is the balance of the masculine and feminine. And there is a bush and there is a vine that goes up to the ceiling and there's the padrino and the madrina. And then the men and women are separated. The men walk in onto the right, the women walk in onto the left. And, and so I really love that. Like talk about sacred space. They're really tight with their sacred space. And then once the ceremony goes, you feel a current going around the room, like swoosh, swoosh swoosh and you can hear like little spirits talking as they pass by you you know it it gets really strong especially everyone there together holding the sacred space together wow that's wild yeah the stories i've heard is that you've kind of had to face some uh, dark things in your experiences did you find that as well i never felt like i saw anything super dark there was a time where i felt like my heart where it was closed you know i could feel how it was almost like a steel trap and then so learning how to soften that and so there was jealousy and things like that in there but there was a big gift and one of them i saw how my birth was a gift to my parents and how blessed they felt by having me in their lives because i i never had I mean, I just, I always knew that I was special. I, I felt that deep inside myself, which <laughs> kept me going, you know, but again, it was kind of because I was able to bring in so much love and light for everyone else, you know? So I saw that, that helped me a lot as far as feeling that undervalued childhood, basically. So bringing that value in, that was definitely a piece. The biggest switch for me in valuing myself was leaving my marriage and it was devastating because I, you know, had this dream of my family and all of us, you know, being together always. But I was definitely in an abusive marriage. And when I finally, like, okay, gave him an opportunity to change and he just wasn't changing, I changed. <laughs> I changed during the time frame that I gave him, but then it just wasn't happening. And, and so I definitely moved on. and. That's part of, I guess, some guilt or what with my children and why I might feel like they don't love me sometimes because of divorce and feeling like it's my fault because I was the one that ended up leaving, breaking up the family, even though we, we share custody. And honestly, like everything is so much better right now. And he 
has stepped up and become a really good dad and for the most part, a good co-parent. So things I feel like are better for my kids in a way, aside from the fact that holidays and birthdays and things like that, and also switching households I know is hard for them. He and I are both happier with where we're at. And gosh, okay, so that was me about valuing myself more. (laughs) It's really just stepping into me where I was living my life for everybody else. And as a mother, it's really easy to do that for sure. Again, stepping into myself. And as my kids are teenagers, it's teaching me I got to do that even more so now for sure. As they're stepping into themselves, I need to step into myself. And it's a great mirroring for, for all of us and reflecting for all of us too. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm curious about your own process of developing your, your work and your business. Did you have particular coaches that made a significant difference on your life? And, and how do you feel about coaching one-on-one now? Because I, I imagine that what you're teaching is more of teaching people how to do it themselves intuitively. Yes, that's what I love to do. I guess I've had, you know, lots of teachers. And after, when I came back to Humboldt, or when I've been living here now for almost 20 years, but when I got here, you know, I was kind of figuring out how to do meditation, trying to find my people. It took a long time. And I started taking classes with a woman named Teresa Von Braun, and she had also some knowledge of the Berkeley Psychic Institute and their teachings. And so it was really similar to me. She also had some other teachings called Diamond Heart that she would bring in. But I just loved finally meditating and doing that clairvoyant style healing meditation. And so I was taking classes from her for probably about five years, but then switched it up and just started doing different circles with different women. And we would basically guide each other and do meditations, things like that. And then I learned lots of different styles of modalities like cranial sacral therapy also and internal vaginal release and womb healing, different things basically that I needed. So it's like whatever I needed integrated into me so that now I can hold space for others with it. In-person treatments, there's a lot that goes on because I have drums and rattles and feathers and a big buffalo hide and it's like it's a wound that you get held in and then the vibrational healing helps create the theta state for you to receive basically and then start doing the craniosacral and I call it beloved's eye healing mm-hmm. it's like just watching and holding that sacred space visually mm-hmm. but also energetically however you can all the time while they're there with you you can just watch out just seeing something shift shifts their their whole being and and your intention of holding that sacred space for them like grounding and connecting them to the heart of the earth and that anchors in more and more of their ability to come into their body so that that's like the last class of my series is that beloved's eye and creating that sacred space learning ethics about it too, because once you get to a place where you can see a lot about someone, then you need to definitely hold that tight sacred space container, not share anything about anyone else's experience for sure, but also the integrity of the space and where your thoughts are when you're holding sacred space and then what beings come in with that person and how to help them basically evolve also if they need to you know bring that loving light in for for whatever guidance team that they need if if they do need it sometimes they do sometimes other beings are looking for an uplift too that are connected with that person interesting Um, yeah or they're you know some ascended master that is coming in and helping with the healing also so when you were young and you had, that's kind of when your intuition really started, has that, and then you've worked on yourself and, and shared that, the, the work on yourself with others, which is really beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about what the psychic, did you call it psychic meditation or? or clairvoyant. Yeah, clairvoyant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so that is basically seeing what's going on while you're meditating and and just watching how the energy is flowing 
And so going through your chakras and learning, you know, how they're spinning, what's coming out, is there a chord, you know, just different things like that. And so teaching people those skills. And so when I do long distance healings, those are the types of things that we'll get into and ancestor healing, you know, all, all of the things that are there, but that's, that's what I love to teach people how to do for themselves because we all can do this. That's amazing. And then your group um, classes, how long do you run them for? Each series is different. So the first series is eight classes and the next one is six. And then the next one is like four with a weekend retreat. And then the last one is a week long retreat because it's teaching more hands-on healing. And so I want to be there with people. Um, The first classes are just like Zoom group classes where it's guided meditation and then I send you the meditations for you to practice on your own. And a lot of this yourself you've gotten through your own clairvoyant meditation. That's where where your um, practice and entrepreneurial work has really taken you is what is just the deep listening and the deep trust. Yes. And so like what you were talking about with your experience with nursing and withholding space and all of that all of that will translate for you and and all of your healing practices. Amazing. Tell us a little bit about how you take care of yourself day to day and how you stay in touch and and listen. It's definitely a daily practice and it's in the morning because otherwise life just sweeps you away. I have a little altar. It's a candle for sure. (laughs) I love candles. Picture of my family, some deities and products are called feather essences and so they're different birds that the essence of the birds are in them with different essential oils and so I use those every morning because they're really healing for me and then sage usually will happen too but I'll sit there on my meditation mat and I have some tuning forks to help me sometimes if I'm having a hard time getting grounded because it's usually right after I wake up and I have an earth med tuning fork which is really great been so good lately that is my goal is to connect with the earth the heart of the earth and have her hold me love me nourish me as then i bring in my divinity my love to hold me nourish me love me and then through all of my chakras through all of my energetics um calling back my spirit wherever it went off to (laughs) for all the different places and dimensions And then looking at my deities and my photos on my altar and receiving and giving love with them too. So again, it's that connection that really is all about connection. Yeah. And so much love. Your practice is just more full of love than anyone that I've interviewed before. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's what it is for me for sure. Like that's, that's the juice of life. So when you have hangups and, um, negative thoughts if they if they happen during the day and with practice and skill have you just been able to let them go and redirect um, back to love a little bit easier yeah definitely and it's <laughs> it's been a big practice but this year I felt like there's been a big shift finally healed my heartbreak it took forever and, and <laughs> that, <laughs> that's where the big shift came in and the the big place I feel like I still get spun out on is with my kids. And so learning to chill, it's really just to chill, slow down and tap in again. When I get spun out about other people, other things, I'm like, oh, la, da, that's just me being whatever, my ego stuff, come back, where's the love, you know? But when it's with my kids, I have to really slow down and get into that meditation space basically again. Wow. Interesting. I completely understand. I, I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping when my son is going out at night because I'm like, okay, is he going to get home? Okay. You know? Yeah. And it's just such a, I can't sleep until he's in bed. It's like, yeah. it's so, I, I definitely feel that spinning out energy of like the 18 year old, is he safe? You know, yeah. there's so much um, danger out there right now for them and all they're experimenting and how yeah. things are. I, I, can I share something really quick? Yeah. There's a teacher, her name is Tammy Lynn Kent, and she's written a lot of books, but one is Mothering from the Center. And she talks about the power of 
the birth energy, like when you give birth to that child or that child's birth anyways, from your womb to them, the energy is always there. And so when your son's out and about and you're like, I don't know where you are and I hope you're safe, you know, you can call on whatever guys or anything you want for that also, but you can send him the power of his birth energy to keep him safe, to keep him like his discernment high or whatever, just the power of his being. Oh, wow. That's so incredible. I just love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Yeah. She's incredible. She was one of my teachers for sure. She also wrote The Wild Feminine and teaches women how to do pelvic floor work on themselves. So womb healing. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Have you had uh, difficult times working with clients, maintain your sacred space, but how do you is it just because it's mirror work when it's difficult that it's reflecting something in you or what have you learned from, from that? Yeah, I think I always, you know, since we're all one, there's always something in us that there's some piece that's like us. It's, it's honestly, it's usually not the clients, usually what's attached to them. That's like the, uh, okay, how do we Oh, I see that. Interesting. And then I also wanted to ask you about, do people, are people interested in working with you that are struggling with addiction? Because sometimes that's a big, if you got a monkey on your back, that's a, that's a really hard one to work with. And I've always wondered, you know, should I go more towards that or just stick with people that have moved through that already? Yeah. Honestly, I'm struggling with that right now Um, with people with addiction because they're not I guess I want to say reliable, they won't show up. They won't show up for themselves. The beings with any sort of substance, there's a being attached to it. And so the being starts to run them. They're not running them anymore. So it's hard for them to get themselves on a healing path. Um, So I feel like you really need to be with them. You need to kind of almost be their, their spirit guide in person. (laughs) You have to have a close proximity to them. So it's difficult for me to work with people who have substance issues that aren't on track yet. If they've already been on track and working it, working it, working it, then yeah, I can help them release, 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 um, you know, and become more and more of them. They're already on that path. It's easy. When they're still stuck in the cycle, I kind of, I think I just have to wait unless they're living with me. I think like what right. you're saying, like you're taking people on in a physical way. That Hopefully way. not anymore. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. It's right, too yeah. hard for me. Yeah, it is. Cause you're not just taking them on, you're taking on all of their past and all of the beings. Right. Exist. And I'm doing it as in that mother energy, which is like, like incessantly tied to every cell in my body. And it's just too, it's too, it's too strong. And that mother energy has a lot to do with the martyr too. And so bringing, mothering yourself first, like bringing that mother to you. And then also I work with Mother Mary a lot. And so you could have the whole space of your house be held in her womb, basically. um, So that everyone feels loved and supported all the time. Oh, that's gorgeous. In your practice and what you've seen and how you've grown as a healer, um, what now is, you know, do you see that kind of breaks your heart? In the world? Mm-hmm. And with people and their practices and their own growth. I'm kind of at a place right now where... Yeah, I feel like you're in so much trust that you don't necessarily have that stuck point. Because there are so many difficult things happening right now, you know? I just am at a place where as long as I'm able to feel this love for, for all things, then it's okay. I definitely get spun out and will feel upset about things, but I know, honestly, that's not, that's not the way. Yeah. When I'm feeling bad for someone or some issue, the truth is, is that underneath it all, this is the lesson. Oh, that's so beautiful. For anybody out there listening who's really struggling today, is there any tips that you can provide to help them land? (laughs) There's this song, It's So Beautiful. And I'm going to try to kind of sing it. It goes, Know you are loved. 
rest in peace. And, and it goes on and on like that, but that's it. Know you are loved. And we've got so much support. And honestly, we're swimming in it. <laughs> this is really what we're made of and what everything is. We're just in this illusion of all of this pain and fear to learn what it is like, you know, and, and we are learning it. It's tough. Um, but when we go into what the truth is of everything, that, that it is really all love, and we can come into that again and again and again all the time, then it, it just lifts up everything. Wow. And I want to be, I tell everyone I love them. People look at me like I'm making, decreasing the value of that word, or, but I'm not, I really, I really love you. And, and people who have hurt me, like consciously, purposely hurt me. I love them. <laughs> I love their souls. And I know that I'm not, I need to protect myself too. So there is that, that I don't need to be around them in this human form. Right. Maybe other dimensions too, because that's how, you know, bad it has been with some people. But on a soul level, on this oneness level, yeah, I, I see your beauty. I really do. And can you tell us how we can find you? Yeah, soulgratitude.com is my website. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind when I found your website because I was like, how did she get that domain? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then there they can connect with you. Are you active on any other social media platforms? Yeah, I'm not that active, but Instagram is soul underscore gratitude. And, you know, Facebook is probably soul gratitude. And I've got a YouTube channel for it that I put some meditations up for people. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and um, telling the story about how healing yourself has, has taught you how to heal and help others teach themselves how to do it intuitively with just such a tremendous amount of love in, in the consciousness work. I'm just so grateful to hear your story and how you've moved out of Western medicine and into your own heart. It's just been so cool for me to hear your story. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tanya. You're so beautiful. Thanks for holding this podcast. Yeah. I am so honored to continue to bring to you these insightful conversations of people that are learning to change the way they live and helping others to do the same. If you loved this episode, please rate this episode on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. It will help me boost this in the algorithm and eventually it will get us out of the red and into the green. If you have any questions, please follow me on Instagram at Nurse Brave to the Bone if you're interested in being a guest or just want to find out more. You can find a lot of information there. I hope you have an amazing day. Take good care of yourself.